Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hey, this is Riley Cote. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. And you're listening. You're listening to. You're listening to. Snow the goalie. The snow the goalie. 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 Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. team in Philadelphia they wear orange and black and they are the talk of this hour here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia from 5 to 6 snow the goalie the only Flyers radio show I'm Russ Joy follow me on Twitter at Joy on Broad I'm joined as always by the uh the man the myth the legend himself at least in his own mind that's Anthony Sanfilippo who you can find over on Twitter at Ant San Philly how you doing today Russ I am delightful it is a beautiful, beautiful evening here in the Delaware Valley where it's raining. We've got ice. Producer Ryan Lennox behind the glass was, uh, I think, fingers fingers crossed back there that we weren't going to show up today, that we were just going to kind of phone it in because, uh, I don't know, he, he told me that every other show on the station today and, and tomorrow decided to call out. And he said, are you guys going to come in? I said, you're darn right we are. Darn tootin'. Well, I was hoping you weren't coming in, Russ. Anthony was fine. But... <laughs> hey, you know what I want to say about Ryan Lennox? What's that? Okay, and all, and I've known Ryan longer than you have because I used to do a show here when he and he produced it. Since we've started Snow the Goalie here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia, he has gone out of his way to wear hockey-themed T-shirts. Today, he's rocking Blades of Steel, the old video game. And I love it. That's a throwback to my era. I don't know if you were even alive when Blades of Steel came out, Russ. Nope. But, uh, <laughs> but Blades of Steel was an awesome, awesome hockey video game back when I was a kid. And Ryan Lennox is rocking that T-shirt made by Konami. Now, I do know Konami. Yeah. I do know that company. Yeah. It's good. Good you know, stuff. I'm proud of him. This is good. This is the evolution of Ryan Lennox. <laughs> it's good stuff. They need, I don't know how much he's getting paid here at 610 ESPN, but <laughs> give that man a few more dollars. A few more bucks for Blades of Steel. Hey, you know what? I want to talk to fans today. Do you? Because I'm fired up, Russ. I got, I got, you know, this next two hours, one hour of hockey, and then when we get to crossing broadcast and we're doing other sports besides hockey, I, I am like, uh, you know, on, an, on the edge. I'm on the precipice, ready to leap off screaming at this city and people in it, okay? All right? The Flyers are playing really, really good hockey. Really good hockey. Credit to them. I mean, they didn't. it's not like they beat a bunch of really good teams. They beat a bunch of struggling teams. But that's what good teams are supposed to do, yep. okay? Good teams are supposed to win the games against bad teams. And the Flyers right now are in a good spot. They're in a spot that they haven't been in in eight years they're in a spot points wise that they haven't been in on december 2nd in 24 years i mean this is this is some stuff happening with this team and and the city needs to start taking notice and i'm tired of getting told that <coughs> oh it doesn't matter it's only november oh the you know that's just hockey you know this flyers do this all the time they get your hopes up and then they dash them 
This is different. Oh, they're the same team every year. This is different. Why do I emotionally invest this in the is same different. team? Yeah. Look at their I, record last so year. So I want to talk to fans about it. I sure. mean, I put a thing out on Twitter yesterday. Got a little bit of a little bit of juice last night. Uh, Why is it that every time you have a somewhat successful tweet, you come on the air and you and you you pound your chest about it? You're just learning about social media. You've been on it for a. This, 11, 11 this years. From, this he gets, from the he guy. gets like 30 likes, and all of a sudden, I'll tell you what, Russ. First of all, it was 200, my, uh, 268. My tweet went viral last night. Uh, no, that was, no, the Giroux one went viral. That, was that one thousands, actually did it. That was thousands of responses. Uh, last night, I think I had 268 likes. Um, but it was a good response to a question where I said, after the Eagles lost the game, the is who? it? After the Eagles the who? lost their game. Don't recognize that name. Is it possible that the Flyers, right now, at the beginning of December, are the most likable team in Philadelphia to watch. And even if you argue no, because I mean you could make an argument for the Sixers, I think. I think it's fair that you can make that argument. But even if you answer no, it's not a silly question. It's not a ridiculous question. And could you imagine if I would have said that to you on September 1st or September 2nd, that the Flyers within three months would be the most like potentially be the most likable team to watch in Philadelphia? No. And that's what I want to hear from fans. I want to hear from – do they agree with me? Because I think right now the Flyers are – and I'm not biased by any stretch of the imagination. Okay? I'm not. Because I, I've been I've been ultimately – I mean, you know me. We've been doing this show as long as we have. I've always been critical of this team. I've always been critical of – The I, organization. I've been the – in the past, I've been the Debbie Downer while you were, you know, Mr. Positivity. Yeah. Right? Okay? So I've been that guy on the other side of it. So this is not this is not me just saying this just to say it. I firmly believe that the Flyers are the most likable team to watch right now. Obviously, it's not the Eagles. Everybody's miserable and, and aggravated and, and annoyed with the Eagles. Um, the Phillies, it's the offseason, but they really had a, a terrible ending to their season and so far haven't done a lot to really engender much confidence other than hiring a coach that the fans kind of are, are behind. But you haven't seen them make any move yet. Um, and the the Sixers at, at this point they came in with such high expectations and they, and they just haven't, they just haven't been fun to watch. Right. There's the been si- a lot and and they have a lot of the same kind of issues that that they've had for the last two right. years. I mean the Sixers the Sixers are certainly the players. Sixers are certainly the best team in town. There's no argument I think there, but I think that because their expectations are so high, that when they struggle to beat the New York Knicks, or Joel Embiid doesn't score a point against the Toronto Raptors. Or Ben Simmons doesn't take a jump shot. Right, right. Or Brett Brown doesn't call a timeout you, as the wheels are falling. You're up. getting yeah, you're getting you. a lot of This is more of a 6 to 7 conversation. No, but, but what, what I'm but, saying but no, no but no, you. but the but it, it's circling back to the Flyers. What I'm saying is is that I mean that's the only argument that I think you can make is that you could argue maybe the Sixers, but this Flyers team is fun. It's fun, and what I like about it, and this was something you know, I you know, you you were there when I was talking to uh, Vorchek in the locker room, and I asked Jake because he was talking about it, it. It's a certain mindset that this team has right now, and I said to him, I said, Jake, I said, well, you know, let's expand on that a little bit. What what do you mean by a mindset? Is it is this mindset you know that something that is is a level of confidence that maybe or 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 consistency that maybe wasn't with this team before? And you know what his his response was? What was that? No. AV holds everybody accountable, and if you're not accountable, you're not going to play. Bingo. That's it. That's it. It's all about being accountable for what you have to do. And so they've created internal competitions for spots in the lineup. I mean, organizationally. Organizationally, yeah. There there is no longer the feeling of, 
we're afraid to sit a guy that we've given money to. Right. That we're not going to reward our young players. If you play well for the Phantoms, they have now proven from an organizational mindset that they are willing to call a player up and put him in a position to be successful. See Joel Farabee, see Morgan Frost. And if you earn that time, you're going to be given a legitimate chance to not only make the roster, but stay on it. Right. And I, that's that's usually a number one or or maybe the number two critique that fans have about this team and have had about them for years. So you have to give kudos. I mean, this is, sure, there is clout that, that AV brings to the table. It's a thing that we've talked about for, for weeks, for months now. It's the thing that sets him apart from a Dave Hackstall or from a Scott Gordon. He's been there, done that. He's taken two different teams well, to Stanley Cup Finals. There, there is weight to what he says, and there's a track record to prove that that he's right. And and to some point, the difference between Chuck Fletcher and Ron Hextall is that Fletcher has put together teams that have been competitive, that have been competitors. And so now there's no longer that kind of stigma that we're not a, we are adverse to bringing up a young guy and having potentially fail, and that the coach is adverse to trying a guy and, and putting him in a, in a position to be successful. It was one of those things that Leon had dogged him, um, leaving the Rangers. A lot of Rangers fans felt like he didn't handle the youth well. He said a few times this year after games, I, I need examples of who it was that, that I hindered the development of. Well, I mean, I think, I think that the, the argument there, and we, I'm not going to do revisionist history here, but the argument there is that because both in Vancouver and in, and in New York, he didn't really have real young talent that was ready to go. In Vancouver, he had Alex Edler, who was, you know, an, an up-and-coming defenseman, and he had um, Ryan Kessler. Those guys were in the lineup as young players and played. So, I mean, you know, that's where his defense is. The Ra- what did the Rangers have that were, like, really young star players that the, the fans wanted to play that Vigneault kept out of the lineup? I mean, that's that's what I never quite understood. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't know there. It, it's... I, I will say this, you know, you look at what he's done with a guy like, um, like James Van Riemsdyk. Mm-hmm. Van Riemsdyk has been relegated to the fourth line. He's playing just, you know, 10, 12 minutes a night. Sure. Since he's been on the fourth line, James Van Riemsdyk's played really well. Hasn't, hasn't been in malcontent. No. He's been a guy who's talked about the need to, you know, effectively yeah. prove him, prove himself to get back up in the lineup. But he's playing what he's playing the game. Well, yes. Outside of scoring, okay, yeah, should he be scoring more? That's why he's being paid seven million. Yes, he should be scoring more money. I mean, scoring more money, scoring more goals. Um, that that's a given. And he's missed a couple of opportunities. He did finally get one in the game against Detroit. It was in garbage time, but he got one. Um, but the, nevertheless, that fourth line with Roth, Michael Roffel and, and Tyler Pitlick and James Van Riemsdyk has been very, very good for the Flyers in the action that they're getting. And yet, as well as he's played. He can't get back up the lineup. That's accountability. It's like, no, no, look, I know you're playing well, but I have a spot for you right now, but my brother, until somebody else above you starts to not be playing the way they need to play, you're not getting back up. So it's that's what that's what I love about it. That's what I like about Vino's approach. You know, you look at something like that. And he said today, practice today, he said, I like my top two pairs of defensemen. I like the way they play together. I like the way, obviously, I mean, there's no doubt Niskanen and Provorov have been excellent. And we're going to get into something with Provorov a little bit later, something that you unearthed today um, that's going to get me aggravated. It's getting both of us aggravated. But yes, but uh, we'll talk about that. 
Um, and he also said he likes the way Justin Braun and Travis Sanheim have played together. And, you know, I know that's something that I dove into for the first time last week when they were first put together. You could see the way that they play together. It's like, this is good. Um, and finally now he came out and said it after they've played together for, what, five, six games now at this point. But he said the third pair is going to be a rotation. So two of three guys on any given night, Gostas Bear, Haig, and Phil Myers. And there's no doubt Phil Myers is prob- is the guy who's going to be here the longest of those three. He's going to be the long-term guy, okay? But barring, he- barring a trade. <laughs> wink, wink. But he is still developing and still making mis- like He came back into the lineup against Montreal, and I didn't think he had a good game. I really didn't. I thought he was. I thought he was a little off. Took a penalty. He was made a bad play on the one goal. Um, he did have one turnover that I thought was really ugly. I was like, oh, Phil. Um, and that makes me think. And the way he played that game is probably what made me say I put out on Twitter earlier that I think that once you hear Vino say that rotation is going to be what it is, that if I'm if I'm guessing, Phil Myers will be the guy that sits out against Toronto. Toronto's been playing a lot better since they made the coaching change. They they you know, they force you to make mistakes um because of their because of their speed. I I think that you'd want to keep Gostas Bear out there because the one thing that Gostas Bear really does well is he does break out of his own end pretty well, right? Carrying the puck. So, I think Gostas Bear will stay in and I think Haig will stay in because Haig plays a sound defensive game in zone. So I think that's probably that's why I'm saying I think it'll be Ghost and Hague against Toronto. That said, when practice started and they were running pairs, they were running Myers and Hague, and Gostas Bear was the extra guy. He was skating with Chris Stewart, okay, uh, on those pairs. So, but then once they got into special teams practice, Gostas Bear was practicing and Phil Myers was not at all. So it makes you wonder where he's going to go. I I think I think they're going to go Ghost. Hague as that pair against Toronto. But we'll see. We'll see. But I want to know. I want to know what fans think. You brought this up to people that you wanted them to call in, and then you never gave them the number. Of course, it's 888-728-9941. Against the, again, that's 888-728-9941. So here's my thought on the rotation in the bottom, or the, the third pair. I think AV is is hoping to instill some kind of a competitive spirit in Shane Goss to prove that he belongs on that third pair and to, to manhandle that spot, to take it over. And I think that, that in his mind, if I were to guess, he would be fine with there being a, a ghost and Haig pairing because we know what Haig is. Haig is a somewhat reliable, decent enough third pair defenseman. And that Phil Myers ends up being your seventh guy. Now, I have an issue with that insofar as I'd rather see Phil Myers, if that's going to be the case, I'd rather see Phil Myers as a guy who goes back down to the Phantoms and gets legitimate playing time than be a a guy that plays once every third game or once every fourth game. Um, But I think that we've seen enough now. We've had enough of, of these moments where we've talked about Ghost being a guy that maybe isn't being made an example of, but he's a guy that hasn't hand, had a lot handed to him since AV's come to town. And I think at some point there's just going to have to be that that shift between 
is is Ghost or Phil Myers going to be the guy who really takes control of that spot? I think Haig is going to end up being, if if we had to rank it right now, I think Haig is probably the fifth defenseman on this team. I think he's the guy that that AV is most comfortable with in a third pair role, and he's hoping to see some kind of decent production out of, you know, either uh, either Ghost or Myers because neither of them have proven to be consistent enough for an extended enough period of time to, to lock in that third Well, I, I don't necessarily know if, if there is a five at this point. I think ultimately they want Ghost to be that the five of those three. Um, I, if I had to put it this way, this is how I would, I, would, I would split those three up. I would say the reason there's a rotation amongst those three right now is Robert Haig does everything right in practice, is one of those guys who's like a work-hard guy, head down, nose to the grindstone, Gives you what he one hundred percent of what he is. He may not be the most talented of the three. He's obviously probably the least talented of the three. Sure. Okay. Um, but he gives max effort at practice in games, and you want to reward a guy who's giving you that. And I think that that's why he's kind of put himself into this mix. And he's least likely to get himself lost in the offensive zone and not track back defensively. True. Whereas the that, other two, the other two could. Okay. I think Myers is still trying to feel his way and learn what he needs to do with this level. And I think Ghost is a little bit of a reclamation project, kind of. And I think that that's they're hoping that Ghost accepts this challenge and looks at it and takes it and, 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 and runs with it, the fact that he's being challenged. So I think that that's, that's what we're looking at. So um, anyway, let's go to the phones. Uh, we, got, uh, we got Neil. Neil's calling in. Neil, you're on Snow the Goalie here on 610 ESPN. Hey, how's it going, Neil? Ah, not too bad. All right, two comments. Um, comments sort of questions. Yeah. I, um, I like Robert Haig. I'm going to kind of piggyback off what you guys are talking about. Um, I think eventually he is going to be the sixth defenseman because I am looking to upgrade my top six, and I think here's what I want. I want a right-handed shot on the second line. Um, I want to try to package Shane Goss' bear, because I think he's going to be able to get you the most of anybody with kind of a questionable spot on the roster right now. And I'm hoping somebody would take the Jake Borchek contract and maybe a number one pick and maybe try to get a Tyler Sagan. I know Sagan's playing well. But Sagan is kind of in a similar circumstance in Dallas that Voracek is here. You know, they've paired him with Jamie Benton for all these years. They haven't won. The owner has called them out. Um, in my opinion, Kyle Sagan would be a perfect fit for the Flyers for the first or second line. Um, but, and then I'll go back to my original point. I'm not a big Robert Hague fan. He's solid, yes. But I just think he needs a motor. There are times, and I know he's not a swift skater, but there are times when it seems like he just gets beat to the puck badly in our defensive zone, and he's got a, a head start on the opponent. I, I'm not saying he's lazy. I don't think he is. I think he actually works hard. But I, I just there are times when he just doesn't react fast enough. The Hockey Bear and Myers are, are great skaters, and they react fast. That's my take on Hague, and I'd be interested to hear your take on what I said about Voracek, Gossespierre, and hopefully adding by the trading deadline a right-handed shot in the 
you know, someone like a Tyler Sagan, a, a Jordan Everly, somebody like that. Okay. Um, well, let's let's take them in, in uh, one at a time here, Neil. Let's let's start with the defenseman because that was what you brought up first. Um, I, I I don't disagree with you. I mean, look, there's no question. I had just said it right before you came on that Robert Haig is the least talented of those three defensemen. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We sit here, we look at it. You know, you would have to be blind to to suggest otherwise. Okay, there's no doubt that Gostas Bear and Myers have more skills, a greater skill set than Robert Haig. Um, and there are things that Haig struggles with. The biggest thing that Haig struggles with, more than anything else, is getting the getting the puck out, making that first pass, skating with the puck. It's certainly not his forte. He's probably the seventh best guy on the team uh, in that regard. So that's why you, you worry a little bit about him uh, in, in that capacity. However, he's, he's a smart player in the sense that he knows what his limitations are, and so therefore he tries to play positionally um, a, little bit, a little bit better so that he can, you know what, he might not be able to get to that puck faster than the guy coming in, but if he plays the angle correctly, he'll at least keep him to the outside, won't give up a scoring chance. I think that's what makes him an NHL-caliber defenseman. Um, whereas I think that Gostas Bear and, and Myers, Gostas Bear certainly is a cowboy. He's, he's a gambler. He's willing, to, you know, he tr- he's willing to take a risk even when he never should. And I think Myers is still trying to learn when he can and when he cannot. And so I think that's where the difference is amongst the three. They all have their deficiencies. They all have their negatives. And it's just, an, it's just, it's just a matter of determining which two are the two you want to have out there against the opposition on a given night. And I think that that's where you're, well, what you're looking at defensively. I, I agree with that assessment, and I will say this. Um, I, I'm very positive about the, uh, about the status of the team right now. And if he's going to continue to rotate all three of them, I absolutely have no problem with that because I think it's going to make each one that, you know, the guy that sits will work that much harder in practice. They're all still very young players. They all, you know, haven't been paid yet. Well, no, I'm sorry. Gosper has been paid. My fault on that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm more for like playing ghost more to showcase him because I still think his value is high. I think he could eventually get to a Tory crew type player and I'm not looking to move him, but if we can upgrade our top six, I think we need a goal scorer right now more than we need a defenseman. And I think ghost can get you something if you throw in a pick or two or, you know, hoodwink somebody and make them take four check salary. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll, I'll address your 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 trade suggestion here. Thanks for the call, Neil. Um, I while I think that there's a, everybody's wants to look and say, okay, let's let's figure out a way we can go get a top end player. Let's move a salary that we don't like. Let's move a defenseman that's fallen out of favor, and let's just throw in a draft pick because we don't know what that is, right? I mean, that's that's what people want to do. And we, all the trades that we hear, Russ, right, is, is that's kind of the combination of what we get, right? Yep. Okay. Um, I'll say this. They're not trading Jake Voracek. No. It's not going to happen. Okay, at least not, not now, not this season. I mean, maybe down the road eventually it will, but it's not going to happen this season. Um, so that, let's, let's ignore that one. But let's look at it from the other side, just for example, just for a minute. Tyler, first of all, Tyler Sagan, I think he's a heck of a player. And and while Neil was correct that he's had his ups and downs in Dallas, Stars are playing some pretty good hockey lately. They've been one of the better teams in hockey. They were behind, right behind the Flyers for the month of November. Okay, um, in in uh, uh, in in points for the for the month. 
So I don't think they're going to trade Sagan, but let's just say they were. Why would they take on a 32 year a 31 year old player who's got an eight million dollar contract that not a lot of people think is you know of the right value at this point in his career? Take on a defenseman who's four point seven. Four point six. You're talking about thirteen million. Thirteen million total in salary from the Flyers going to Dallas, who have about four million in cap space, but Dallas Sagan only. Costs, I think, five against the cap. Right. So you've got a, a nine million dollar deficit. Yeah. There. Like, the, it, that doesn't line up. No, it, I, it doesn't. I get, I get from a talent standpoint why people throw that kind of stuff out, and I know that there was a report. Well, that's what that's what I was going to get. This is what I was getting to. I was leading to this. I'll let you take it from here because this is it's not just what Neil was saying because there are people who are now in the business, quote unquote, who are reporting similar kinds of conversations that I'm telling you are not happening. Go right but, ahead. Well, there, you know, there was a, a thing that came out. I think it was Hockey Buzz. I want to say. Yeah. Who picked up on something that was on a on a trade rumor site, I think it was about four or five days ago, that the Flyers were trying to get actively engaged in conversations about Johnny Hockey, about Johnny Gaudreau, yeah. because he's a local kid, and it might cost the Flyers Shane Gossespierre a first-round pick and one of their top prospects, so like a Morgan Frost, perhaps. And, and that, to me, is just lunacy, because Johnny Gaudreau is, I mean, he's in his own upper echelon in terms of forwards in the NHL. The idea that a team would trade a talent of that level for a guy who's arguably a fifth or sixth defenseman, a first-round pick that uh, it's going to be towards the bottom towards of the first, bottom round. Of the first yep. round, assuming that Goudreau continues the the kind of tour pace that he's been on uh, in his career, and like a, a young unproven commodity in Morgan Frost, like that doesn't get it done. And and it, to me, it's almost irresponsible to run with that. Now, look, if it, if it somehow happens, right? If if that kind of trade goes down. I'm not saying I would eat my shoe, right? But th- there's practically no chance of it happening. And I think it's kind of irresponsible to run with it because all it does, it, it, it certainly gets clicks. It certainly gets views. It gets the Philly market in a, in a, in a frenzy, but it's insane. Yeah. And it doesn't work. And it doesn't work in like an NHL 2K game, right? It doesn't work in NHL 20. You get laughed at by the virtual GM. I don't understand why this kind of thing gets any kind of, uh, of traction. Well, that's why I didn't really. Uh, when you we, we talked about this before the show, and you said, "Oh, I'm going to bring this up," I said, "Yeah, you're going to get a 30 second response from me because yeah. that's because it, it, to me it's it's dismissive. I dismiss it. I, I don't think that there's anything to it. I think it's just throwing something against a wall and hoping it sticks. I I don't see how it happens. I don't see how it happens from Calgary's perspective. I I don't think that the Flyers are going to give up Morgan Frost at this point. No, nope. right, right. You know. Um, I just don't see it. Plus, you know, they need a center, so more so than they need a winger at this juncture. You know, somebody that we don't want to dismiss is their next caller. Andrew, you're on <laughs> Snow the Goalie here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Hey, uh, two questions. The first one's, a, a, I guess, a matter of how coaching staffs handle different players because last year, Ghost and Provorov were both having rough years. And, you know, the story we kept getting from Hackstall was that Provorov's our guy. He kept playing him 25 minutes a night, even though he wasn't playing very well. And then with Ghost, you know, he struggles. Granted, his struggles are going on for much longer, but he seems he gets a different treatment. He gets healthy scratched. He gets demoted. Um, you know, whether it was Hackstall or Murphy or, you know, somebody keeps on playing head games with him. So I was just kind of curious about that. And then the second one is, you know, for years we've seen the Flyers getting burned by, you know, fast teams, you know, Pittsburgh, Toronto, Calgary, Avalanche, the really fast teams that uh, 
just kind of run all over you. And I was wondering, even with a team like Toronto coming up with all their skilled forwards, why you wouldn't want somebody like Myers, who has proven to be a, a great skater in his time, even if he does take risks, you know, whether it's a, an on-the-job training and you know, hoping that the best players or better players can help you win hockey games. Uh, so I just pulled out to the house, so I guess I'll catch the answer on the podcast. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. All right, great, Andrew. Thanks for checking in. Thanks Andrew. for checking in. Appreciate it. Um, the, you the, you, the you my, take the first well, one. The, you want to take the first one? We'll and take I'll the take part. The, okay, the, go ahead. The, the Myers part of this, I don't think at any point it's going to be a, a matter of them not wanting him to be in the lineup. I think it's just a matter of trying to get him to play a little bit more sound defensive, a uh, more sound defensive game in his own zone, and not getting and not getting caught too far up. And I, I think that's really the thing right now. And I think that. In the case of Myers, you'd almost wish that you had somebody who's a more reliable defensive defenseman that you could pair with him. But the problem is that right now, the the way that Justin Braun is playing with Travis Sanheim negates the the option of taking either one of those guys off. You're not going to split up Niskanen and Provorov. So I think it's why you'll see a, a Myers and Haig kind of pairing because you have that more defensively reliable guy in Haig that allows Myers to take some risk. I think it's just a matter of him also finding his legs. There, there is something to be said for Myers at his size. How great of a skater he is! He's a tremendous skater. He's he a is, tremendous he is skater for his fantastic. size. Yeah, he's got a, an a, almost. I, I don't want to throw elite out because he's so young, but he almost has an, an elite closing, uh, close down kind of speed. And and because of his reach, and because of his size, he can get to a puck that not a lot of other guys on the ice can get to. Yeah. Well, to, to answer Andrew's question, why you would not, you know, against a team like Toronto who's fast, why wouldn't you want a, a speedier guy like Myers as opposed to Haig? And the answer is more decision-making. It's not about matching speed for speed. Because if that's all it was, then yes, of course, Myers would be the right choice. But what's happening is, is that you're finding Myers not making smart decisions enough or with enough consistency when pressured. And the, the Maple Leafs are really good uh, since Sheldon Keefe's taken over as coach. They've been really good at forechecking the devil out of – out of the opposition. And so what you want to see happen here is you want more experienced guys who will make a simple play when they're being forechecked um by the by the Maple Leafs. And again, this is this is just me saying this. For all I know, Phil Myers might end up playing tomorrow night, okay? Sure. I'm I'm just this was just my suggestion that I think is going to happen. Um but at the same time, I think that there's a real possibility that that's what they're looking at because when he and Gosses Bear makes similar mistakes and it's 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 more egregious when he does because he's been in the league for five years but the the thing of it is is they like to they, they don't make the smart simple play they try and do something a little bit more creative or put the puck back to a teammate in a bad spot and those lead to turnovers which lead to goals and I think that that's that's the answer to that and as far as the the Gosses Bear thing um, uh, it was what you were saying earlier, Russ. It, it's it's all about accountability at this point. There wasn't really accountability when Hacksaw benched Shane Gostisbehere. He benched him for what one game and then put him right back in the lineup, right? Yep. And there was and that was it. So Gostisbehere sat out one game and it was over. Yep. It was like okay, I did my penalty, slap on the wrist. Okay, no big. The deal. substitute teacher came in, yes, and wrote a referral. And the assistant principal said, don't do it again. Right. In this instance, he sat for three games, and now he's being told he's part of a rotation and may sit again. So that there's the difference between what Dave Haxtell did 
and what Elaine Vigneault is doing. And I think that that's, that's why it could have a greater impact on Gossip Bear's game ultimately than what has happened in the past. You know, Andrew brought up something really quick on his way out there, and he said the pod. And for those who are listening who might not know otherwise, of course, this show is always archived. It's on the 610ESPN.com site, and it's also available in our Snow the Goalie archive over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Just search Snow the Goalie, and if you miss a segment of the show, you can always go back and, of course, check out some of our archived interviews that we did with, like, Elaine Vigneault and Ron Hextall, Bobby Clark, et cetera. We're going to take a very quick break, very short. If you want to get in, 888 888- 728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. This is Snow the Goalie on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Hey, I'm Russ Joy. I'm Kevin Kincaid. I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. And I'm Bob Wankel. For the best coverage on Philadelphia sports, check out Crossing Broadcast Radio. Right here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. We are back here on Snow the Goalie. On 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Breaking news. Anthony, hold on to your chair. Gripping it tightly, Russ. DraftKings has launched an online sportsbook created by sports fans for sports fans. And it's now available in Pennsylvania. That's right. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top top rated sportsbook app. Lennox back there is jumping up and down. The DraftKings Sportsbook app has it all. Overs, unders, player props, in-game betting, and special odds boosts every day for the biggest games. This isn't some offshore operation like other gambling sites. It's a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S., so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. Get in on the action wherever, whenever in the Keystone State. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's promo code CROSSINGBROAD. To get a deposit bonus of up to five hundred dollars, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Anthony, you got a game? You got a I, pick? I do, and I, you know, I gave you guys a loser last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, fell to seven and three uh, on the season since I've been giving out picks here as part of the uh, part of our sponsorship. Um, so I'm going to try and rebound for you this week. Uh, I'll tell you, the Washington Capitals, best team in the Metropolitan Division, uh, best uh, best team in the Eastern Conference, best team in the NHL points wise. Uh, starting a road trip, uh, they started out in Detroit the other day. Um, and then get a few days off as they head to the left coast and just enjoying their time out in the Napa Valley waiting for a game tomorrow night. So three days off in California before they go back to back San Jose tomorrow and then uh, the Kings on Wednesday. I'll tell you that the Capitals are going to come out a little slow in that game. The Sharks have been playing much better hockey of late. And it's going to be a little bit of a trap for the for the Caps, and I I'll take the Sharks to pull the upset over the Washington Capitals tomorrow night in San Jose. That's Tuesday night's game in San Jose. Take the Sharks. It's a good bet. Thanks. I don't know if it's one that Big Bet Bob would take, but it could be. He's sitting over there with his beard. Look at him. He's still in shave. It's December. Still rocking it. Anyway, check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Go download it and use the promo code CROSSINGBROAD. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania-only. Restrictions supply. See DraftKings.com for details. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Provorov. Ivan Provorov. So, I saw a tweet going around today, and I was hoping that it wasn't a new one. And it turns out it was from September, but it was getting some traction again. And I had no idea who the person was. They have a, a pretty sizable following over on 
Twitter.com. Uh, Micah Blake McCurdy put up a thing in September about Ivan Provorov and effectively labeled him as a second-pair defenseman and said that he hurts the Flyers on the power play. Now, this did the rounds on Twitter, and like I said, it was from September. And remember, a season ago, Ivan Provorov was very up and down. He got replaced on the top power play unit. So it might not have seemed that out of line back in September, but but since, you'd have to think that things have changed. And he kind of doubled down on it today because as it started making its rounds, he continued to talk about the fact that, that Provorov still doesn't necessarily do enough to make him a, a top or a, or a quasi-elite defenseman on a power play unit. Okay, so Michael Blake McCurdy, just for anybody who doesn't know, um, he's um, uh, one of those... Uh, oh, don't you Don Cherry this. He's one of those math geeks um, in hockey, which... Sometimes he puts out information, you sit there and say, oh, that's interesting. And sometimes he puts out information, you sit there and say, what the hell's the point of that? And the reason I say that is because hockey is probably the one sport where analytics really has not gotten the right foothold just yet. There are certain things you sit there and say, okay, that makes sense. I can kind of understand why we look at that, why we understand. But then there are other things that are just like, where are you going with this? Like, why? This is this is, this is is broken Math is what it is. And it's funny because his Twitter handle is actually at ineffective math. This uh-huh. is this really is ineffective math. Um, but Mike has got a really big following. Um, he, he's one of the, he's got a he's, you know, nationwide. I mean, he's in Canada. It's not like the, it's not like he's like from Philly guy. Right. He's a Canadian. Uh, got a big following in Canada. Um, I think it's hockey viz is uh, is, is what is uh, hockey viz dot com is, is where he works. But. Let me let me update you on what he said today. Oh, okay. So somebody somebody brought this up and said, "How'd that work out, bud?" Well, because, well but what did he say? We got to say what he said okay. back in September. So he said, "Ivan Provorov and listed six years, six point seven five million dollar extension in Philadelphia is a weak five v five second pair defender who hurts his team's power play substantially." I mean, that's fire emoji. Yes. Right. That's like three. That's at least three. It is. And so a guy brought it up and said, how'd that work out, bud? Micah Blake McCurdy says he's improved a fair bit. I would go as far now as to say he's a strong 5v5 second pair defender who hurts his team's power play substantially. Okay, so let me put it this way. The guy's been easily the Flyers' best defenseman this year. The Flyers' defense has vastly improved from last season. He's playing on their top power play unit. Their power play has improved from, I think they were 19th or 20th last year, to 11th in the NHL this year. So the guy is playing on the top power play unit. He's their top defenseman. Their their defense is better. Their goals against is down. Their power play percentage is up. But because he's able to do some kind of fancy you know, jiggering of numbers, he can tell you that all that stuff is wrong. So what the results don't matter. What we're seeing, Russ with our own eyes, does not matter. What we're counting statistically does not matter because we can find a path. We can find an avenue. We can find a way to make everything seem terrible. When people brought up to him that Provorov has scored, what was it, eight goals? Uh, 
He said he doesn't look at the counting stats. He no, no they never look at math. People never look at counting stats. Oh, which it doesn't matter. It's counting. Which stats. Which if you want to say like I'm not only going guess to what? I'm not going to solely evaluate the counting stats. Guess what? Fine, but guess what? What? What stats determine the outcome of a game in any sport? Which ones? Um, I think. Let me just double. Check. Is it is it the Corsi four percent? No, relative? no, it's oh. the counting stats. Oh, those ones that count. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. The ones that matter the most, okay, are the counting stats. Right. Now, yes, we can look at those other numbers, and we can sit there and say, well, what does that tell us some kind of story? Is there something that we can glean from that, that we can learn from that? Is there something about the way the guy's playing that maybe will kind of show you a pattern that stretches out over the course of a season or a couple seasons or a career for that matter? Certainly, you can look at those things. But to sit there... And say that the guy who is easily the best defenseman on this team... Who is a Norris Trophy contender. Not yet. No, a, a few years ago he was playing at the level of a guy that you would expect to eventually be yes, Norris. Yes, yes. I think, I th and I think that he's back on that track. Yes. I think he's back on that track to eventually be that. Yes, at 22 years old, he's not going to be a Norris Trophy contender. But I think by the time he's 27, he will be. Okay? But he's on that path again and is having a really, really good season. And we're not just talking 10 games here. We're what twenty five games into the twenty eight games into the season, right? At this point, this is this is a little bit. This is a significant chunk of the season that he's played well. To sit there and double down on some stupid, ridiculous mathematical nonsense that you concocted while you had nothing better to do on freaking Labor Day weekend, okay? Thanks. Oh yeah, okay, that's right. September. <laughs> I mean, yeah, give right. me a break, man. Like seriously, are we allowed to invoke a Stephen A. Smith sound drop here? It's 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 it drives me nuts, and it's the, it's these people, it's people like this in every sport, in every sport, who have infected the ability for people who have normal common sense, who are pretty intelligent people otherwise, to be completely off the reservation with their sports opinions because they, they get so caught up in, in this conjecture that is based on whatever I could, I could structure numbers any way I want to make something sound good or sound bad. I really can. I could do it. We're going to do it in the next show. I think. Right. So we're going to do it. Flyers average 18. We can all do on it. Their forehand we can all do it. Wall. And so just because someone wants to sound smart, wants to make themselves sound intelligent, make themselves sound like they've, they've found something that no one in the history of the sport has ever found before. And they're going to be a trailblazer with this nonsense, okay, with his colored plots that he's putting out there, okay? It's, it's asinine, Russell. It's ridiculous. I got full name. <laughs> Give me a break. So watch the here's, game. So here's, I, here's I a response. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I, 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 I want to so pour some gas. Time. Let me pour Go gasoline. Ahead. Hold on. Go ahead. So the guy goes, so to be clear, you think Flyers have gone 15-7-5, and 10-2-4 in the last 16 games, deploying a strong 5v5 second pair D as their bona fide number one leads the NHL in shifts per game, and he is hurting their power play with four, go uh, four power play goals and 17 points, to which this guy responds, Micah responds, I think team records are never directly attributable to single players like you suggest, and I think player impact can't be measured by points. Well, I agree with him on the first part, that the, that – an individual player does not impact the team's outcome. I, I certainly agree with that. I mean, I, 
this is not – it's a team sport, right? So sure. one one out of 20 players is not going to directly impact the outcome of outcome of a team's game, okay? Maybe one game here or there, but ultimately the overall record is not going to be dictated by one guy, all right? But there has to be something taken into consideration when the guy's playing 27 minutes a night. He's playing half the game. He's playing half the game on the ice, and there's five other guys who play his position, and he's playing half the game. So that has to be taken into consideration. What I would suggest to Micah Blake McCurdy and other people like him is that you take a minute, Uh-oh. take a, just, a, just a minute to get your damn nose out of your calculator, okay, to forget your, your algorithms for 30 seconds and sit there and watch the sport, for God's sake. Watch the game being played. Watch how people play. And then when you do that, you sit there and say, okay, he played well on that shift. Oh, yeah, he didn't really play well on that shift. You can see it. You can see it with your own eyes. That's how many of us watched sports for our entire lives prior to this, to this boom, this generational boom of let's not look at the sport itself. Let's look at the numbers behind it, okay? All right? We watched it. We saw it. We saw what was good. We saw what wasn't good. Okay, and we and we were an intel- more intelligent fan base. I used to sit. I swear to God, when I first started as a beat writer, and I would travel around the country, and I would go to city to city to city, and I would go into these cities, and I would talk to the cab driver or talk to fans for a couple minutes in the hotel or wherever we were out to a restaurant at the bar, wherever, and just start talking to people about sports, just in general. And I realized I used to sit there and say, these people don't know as much about sports as Philadelphia fans. They really don't. Like Philadelphia fans are really good. Like, I was just thinking the only people that were even c- compared were Boston. I thought Boston, even though they were arrogant, I thought that they, they knew their sports. And I thought New York fans knew their sports. And then Philly. I think it was, it was those three. I wouldn't even put Chicago. I think Chicago is a little different, too. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say those three were the three that I thought were the three best. That's not too that long ago, Russ. We're talking 15 years ago, max, okay? Sure. Nowadays... Nowadays, I wouldn't put Philadelphia fans anywhere close to the top. But then again, I don't know who I would put at the top because it's got, it's, we are so far gone with this, so far gone in sports anymore, that people, people who once were smart are now stupid because they have too much information. Just put it away. When you have so much information, it makes you stupid. Put it away. That's a good take. Just put it away. I kind of like it. Watch the sport. Enjoy it. Breathe it. Take it in. And then... Create an opinion based off of what you saw, not off of what someone and, else and then told you that it, they and then unearthed. Support it with the math. You can, or try to disprove it with. You the math. can, but 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 synthesize the two together. You can, yes. I don't. You don't have, have to go. I don't. You have don't have to go anti. Totally, one hundred percent anti. I don't have a problem. You don't have to go one hundred percent totally anti eye test. I don't have a problem. You can with fuse that. the two together. No, I agree in with fact, you. In fact, in fact, that's what happens over on CrossingBroad.com. It's not just the Flyers' coverage. It's not just. Bob's Phillies coverage. It's not just Kevin's Sixers coverage and the occasional Eagles coverage when he's not miserable about the Eagles. I like to think that the staff as a whole tries to take the analytics into it hey, into uh into account. Hey Ryan, but I'm the one who likes to toot my own horn. When I just I, when pass I put that off to out, right? everyone else. Okay. I am the hype guy for everyone. I just want to make sure. I, I think Crossy Broad might get some MMA if, if Russ doesn't control himself here in a minute. <laughs> no, but my my point is my point is, is that you, all you have to do is create your own opinion. Sure. Don't let someone else create it for you. And if you want to use what they're providing, look, they can provide it. That information is good. Mm-hmm. It can be used. You can, but formulate your own opinion first before you go and say, well, I read so-and-so said this. Da, da, da. 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And the thing that drives me the most crazy is that every sport has analytics departments departments now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you do you think that there's like some kind of like sneaky advantage that one team has over everyone else that nobody else knows about? Hey, come on. This is everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's doing the same thing. It doesn't matter. I mean, you're if you're really going to sit there and try, try and tell me that you have some. You know, interns from Massachusetts Institution of Technology Whoa, who are, look si- at you. Who are look sitting at there. You. MIT would be beneath you. Okay, go ahead. Well, just in case some people don't know what it is. I mean, just in case they don't know, right? Um, but it, but maybe that they're creating some kind of, you know, uh, formula that no one has ever thought to think of before for a sport that's been around for 140 years. Um, and it's suddenly going to find a way to say that this, this one thing, that no one else is doing, has ever done before, is going to be the difference in three or four wins, and that's going to get you to a championship. You're out of your mind. That doesn't. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm going off on this tangent on Snow the Goalie here today because we're really not talking about hockey. We're not talking about the Flyers. And the team's actually good. And the team's and playing And the team's well. played good hockey. But it's, They played really good I'm, hockey. I'm to, I'm we were excited about, to talk about the hockey team. We, I was. And you're sitting here getting all upset. I was about some dude and his cute little map. Can I get you? Can I get upset about something else? Sure. NBC Sports yesterday. No. Oh, geez. okay. All right. I, I, I actually almost want to. I, I want to throw this out now, but I think I want to ask Bob and uh, and Kevin the same thing. I want to get them to chime in on it. Maybe we will talk about it for five minutes on Crossing Broadcast. So NBC Sports yesterday, after the Eagles game, all right, the Eagles lose to Miami. They put out a story on their website. Now, it's written by Enrico Campitelli, so you know it's the 700-level baloney, okay? Um, but he puts a story out. Blog wars. <laughs> he puts a story. They're not a blog. They're not. Um, uh, th- that he puts a story out that the Flyers were trolling the Eagles because the Flyers put out a tweet reminding fans – at 4.30 yesterday, 4.29, that, oh, by the way, we had a great record, best record in hockey in November. That that, in some way, is trolling the Eagles. I will sit here and tell you, with 100% certainty, absolute guarantee, I will, I will bet every dollar that I have in my pocket right now that I am not wrong. Every dollar that I am not wrong. Okay. That was a timed tweet. It was scheduled because they are not telling their social media people to be sitting, uh, uh, to be, you know, working on a Sunday afternoon Mm -hmm. when the team is not playing. Okay. To sit there and put that tweet out just when the Eagles game is ending and they're going to lose to Miami. It is not happening. Promise, guarantee, 100%. I would put my career on the line. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Okay? On the line. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So the time tweet. I love time tweets. I love TweetDeck. I love many apps where you can time your tweets. Yes. 429 is a weird time to time. No, it's not. And I know that you... It's not. I know that you said off air, you're like, well, you know, it depends on the clock. It doesn't. It, It depends on Twitter. It goes by the Twitter time, not your laptop time. Right. Okay. Fine. 429 is a very strange time for it to go live. No, it's not. Especially considering that 
the Eagles game ended. Okay, but if you're – let me say this. The Eagles game ended right then and there. Let me say this. If you were trying to time it, okay, with the Eagles game, the end of the Eagles game, wouldn't you have made it go out earlier? Because what football game lasts till 4.30 what starts at 1 o'clock now? Most games were over. That was the that's that game assuming, was dragging that's assuming on. That's assuming that you're right that it was a time tweet. It was a time that, tweet. All, I'm just saying, if it were, then like, why wouldn't you schedule for 4:30? Why would you schedule? Because you always you always wanted to go out right before the ha- right before the half hour, right before the top of the hour. I used to do this with the team when I worked there. This is what we did, Russ. We scheduled this stuff. It was scheduled the the minute before it went right. out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. But the it doesn't matter. You know what matters? What, what matters? matters is the is perception. The perception yes. is what matters, right? Yes. Because all of the fans in Philadelphia, no. they're going to think that the Flyers are disrespecting the Eagles. The, the, and they're going to be vengeful about it. And now the people aren't going to go support the Flyers. They're actually going to hate the Flyers. Do you it. realize, first of all, let me just put it this way, okay? The Flyers fans are already not part of this whole four-for-four four mentality in general. There are some, of course. There's crossover for everything, okay? But in general, Flyers fans are in their own little silo. Okay, they really are. They really are. And they don't like the fact that they are considered, you know, the fourth team. They don't like the fact that they, you know, aren't, you know, aren't don't get the love that the Eagles and the Phillies and the Sixers get. They, they really do take it personally. So to sit there and have a major media outlet like we have in this town, like NBC Sports Philadelphia, do no research. I guarantee you they didn't call the Flyers to check. Guarantee you, they did not call to say, "Hey, was that a time tweet? Did you guys put that out on purpose?" There was no no checking whatsoever. They just threw it out there with a headline. Oh, they trolled the they trolled the Eagles because the Eagles lost. It's BS. It's poor, poor. I I, I hate to use the word journalism. I know we don't like to say that anymore because I mean, God forbid, nobody's a journalist anymore, right? But it, it's 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 very bad. It's a bad look. It's a bad look for an entity that uh, that alleges to cover all four teams. I'm sorry. It's bad. So the Flyers uh, have won five of their last six games. Let's talk about the uh, week ahead. Yes. We'll be last, there all week. Last Actually, week, we if I remember Saturday. correctly, you said the Flyers were going to go. 2-1-1. Two, 2-1-1. One, and one. Two, one, and one. Yep. And Ryan, what did Russ say on the air? Funny you should ask. Flyers go. You ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. One, one, and two. <laughs> they lose. Tonight's a regulation loss. Okay. They blow a late lead against Columbus. Oh, that's That brutal. they go They go to OT. Captain Claude ends it with a goal. Friday night, or Friday afternoon, we're down there. They get a win over Detroit. Yeah. Feel very confident. They blow a late lead in that one as well, but they, Detroit, they recover. Detroit stinks. They recover in the third. And they go up to Canada, and it's a, a shootout loss. So I'm an idiot with numbers, but my analysis does in fact sound like I said the Flyers would win two games and that Claude Giroux would win the game in Columbus. And who won the game in Columbus? Claude Giroux. Thank you. Rustradamus strikes again. Rustradamus. Did he just literally call himself that, Ryan? I hope he doesn't hurt his hand uh, patting himself on the back. (laughs) 
I so think you, so you I think and I, you, you, you and I both went two one and one. No, I think you talked yourself out of what you were saying because you said they're going to blow the game in Columbus, and then you that said they're going to blow a late lead, and then you then you said, oh, and then Drew will get the game winner, and so then you moved on to the next so game. So two one and one. Yeah, but they went four zero. Yeah, they did, which is nice. This is, is good. This is a good sign because the Flyers are in a, a pretty rough stretch. We know that they're going to play a lot of games. They have a lot of games in the month of December, many of them on the road. And so I think it's only fair that we look at the week ahead. So they've, they have 13 games in the month of December. Just for, they've, yeah. they've got the Toronto Maple Leafs at home Tuesday. Of course, we'll be covering that on the Press Row Show. Yep, we'll be there. Online, so make sure you go check that out. Uh, they've got the Coyotes in town on Thursday. Sneaky good team, by the way. They have a third game at home this week on Saturday at 1 o'clock against the Ottawa Senators. Who stink. And then we'll be back on the air for Monday. So yeah. three games between now and next Monday. How do the Flyers do? Home against Toronto, home against Arizona, and home against Ottawa. Two and one. Regulation loss two? Arizona. Flyers go three and zero. One overtime win. Three and oh. Russ has got them now winning seven in a row. When was the last time they won seven, seven in a row? Three and oh. Like four years ago? I don't know. It's been well, 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 he's Rostradamus, so I mean, he knows everything. Three and yeah. oh, one overtime win. I feel good about it. Yeah. The fl- Listen, like you said in the beginning of the show, if we had said in September that this team was going to be playing some of the most fun version of their sport out of any team in the city, would you believe it at this point? And practically no one would have said yes. Correct. This is, it's almost like the Flyers have finally figured out that if you play well and you seize a moment when another team in the city is down, you might be able to start getting a little bit of traction. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go out and make any kind of move to try to, you know, steal some headlines. But if you keep playing well like this, especially knowing that the Eagles are playing as poorly as they are and poorly timed tweet or whatever, you, you captured some eyes. Come on me. And it's not their fault necessarily if you're right. This this team right. this team has some eyes on it, and they're actually playing well. And so, for all the people, including former pundits who no longer work in town, they work elsewhere, who have been lamenting from a distance, "Oh, the Flyers! Look at their record versus last year. It's really not all that much better if you think about it." This team is fundamentally different. It's better coached. It's a more talented top to bottom lineup, and they are finally in a position that I think we thought would have happened a couple of years ago. They're finally on track to be. A decent team in the Eastern Conference. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll be back next Monday. I want to thank uh, Ryan Lennox for producing the show. Uh, and uh, next week, Russ will say that he predicted two and one after they go two and one. Oh, stop! Until then, uh, this you've been listening Snow to the Snow the Goalie here on six ten ESPN Philadelphia.